Good morning. Welcome to Thy Strong Word. I'm Pastor A.J. Espinosa. We're reading the entire Bible, book by book, chapter by chapter. We're reading it together. I've taken a look at the text, and so has our guest, and we're going to have a conversation about it. We're going to try to help each other connect the dots and see how all the pieces fit together, and hopefully that helps you too. We're looking at Joshua chapter 21 today, another one of these chapters that we might not be so familiar with. It gets into these details about the Levite cities, the Levitical cities, because we remember that the Levites were not given a portion among the tribes of Israel. And so they've got, they've got to live somewhere though, right? And we talked about it last time. They're going to play a special function, uh, some of them anyway, in deciding these really tricky matters, these things of like accidental death and things like that. So they have a really particular function. These are functionally in some respects, you might say that the pastors of the people of Israel. And so they're going to be spread throughout. And there's a lot of uh, there's a lot that we can actually take from this, you know, not that we try to imitate this and we're going to have Levitical cities, but these are the sorts of things that actually shed light on how all the things that we do today in the church really go way back and help us understand why we're doing things the way we do. So looking forward to getting into this longer chapter today, 45 verses. We'll try to stay on pace here. We're joined today by Pastor Thomas Eckstein, pastor of Concordia Lutheran Church in Jamestown, North Dakota. Brother, it's good to have you back. I hope you're not too buried in snow up there. Good morning. Good morning. Yeah, not too much snow yesterday, just horrible cold weather with uh, <laughs> winds that make it even worse, but uh, but we're alive. So. <laughs> That's right, by God's grace. And and we're going to be talking about, I, I got to try to pivot somehow on that. We're not going to be talking about snow and ice in this one, but we're going to talk about God's grace, right? So there's oh, that. Absolutely. Yes, <laughs> yes. Very good. It's nice to, nice to have you back. And yeah, I mean, it's, it's one of these, one of these chapters, again, um, so many of them, it's not really actually compared to some of the chapters we've had. It doesn't have as many uh, of these Hebrew names um, as some of them have had. But uh, one of the things that I like about it is that it, it's connecting the ideas of the land and the tribes to the roles of the Levites and what they played um, and, and these very particular uh, functions then in the among the people of Israel, like you know, they're not just like okay, they're they're the Levites, right? But like they they play this really particular role. It's a lot more than just carrying stuff. And, and this is just one of these chapters. I feel like it connects uh, Leviticus and Numbers and all all these things together. So I really feel like it helps us kind of flesh out the picture and have a sense of what it was like to to live in uh, the Holy Land at that time. Exactly. Exactly. Well, let's go ahead and get into this chapter here. Like I said, 45 verses, so we want to try to stay on task today. <laughs> uh, would you please say a prayer for us as we get started, for us and for everyone reading and listening along today? Absolutely. Heavenly Father, we come before you today, and we thank you so much uh, for all the ways that you provide for us, especially for giving us uh, your Son, who, who is our ultimate city of refuge. Lord, uh, because of our sin, uh, we, we do deserve punishment and judgment, but, but he is our uh, rock of ages. We, we can take uh, refuge in him and uh, 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 find safety from the judgment our sin deserves. Uh, and the ultimate sign of your love is that, that uh, your own son took upon himself the judgment that we deserve, that we might be secure uh, citizens of your city uh, for all eternity. Uh, we thank you for this uh, wonderful hope, and bless us today. Uh, give us insight as we study your word in Joshua 21. Amen. Amen. Thank you, brother. And I appreciate um, in, in your prayer, you know, mentioning that idea. We talked about this yesterday, about the cities of refuge. And it, it's um, it, it's an interesting kind of double metaphor there, because on the one hand, cities of refuge we saw last time, we talked about this a little bit. Um, on the one hand, they sort of foreshadow, right, the refuge that we have in Christ, right? You know, we who uh, ha have guilt and are pursued by the law, Right? Uh, right, kind of exemplified in the Avenger of Blood. Uh, there, there is a place of refuge for us, right, where we can be safe. And this is kind of this image of, 
you know, I mean, Moses, I'm not Moses, but, um, well, I mean, yes, Moses, even like, um, going into the basket or Noah, um, going into the ark, right. There's there's this this kind of refuge idea. He's a refuge. But on the other hand, we saw that in some ways, those cities of refuge were like prisons. I mean, it was a place of exile. You couldn't live among your family, your people, your land, your home, you know, and it was only the death of the high priest that let you go back home. And so it's, it's this kind of interesting double foreshadowing where the seeds of refuge foreshadow Christ as a refuge, but they also point ahead to how Christ gives us release and uh, rescue from those places of exile mandated by the law. And I think it's so important to bring up these, um, you know, uh, uh, figurative typological uh, uh, prophecies here because, it, it, you know, I, I've read some commentaries where they, they look at it as a merely a civil law, like, okay, well, someone accidentally kills somebody, they need to be protected from, you know, vigilante justice, and this was, you know, the way they handled it, and that's it. That's the only application they make. <laughs> but but yeah. it's just so, uh, uh, when you look at this in the wider narrative of Scripture, like you said, uh, uh, you know, uh, our refuge ultimately being Christ, and, and also I just find it interesting that um, uh, even though there was a civil aspect to this, the fact that these uh, um, innocent people couldn't go home until right. the death of the high priest. You know, exactly. uh, what does that have to do with anything? <laughs> I just think it's, mm-hmm. it's very interesting how that ends up you know, connecting to, you know, any, any innocence we have at all is, is, is an innocence that comes from outside of us, and it's the result of, of Christ and all that he's done for us. Yeah, yeah, that's well said. You know, there's a practical dimension, and if there's ever a practical dimension to this stuff, it we, it just shows God's mercy again and again, right? That he takes our human condition and our finite limitations into account and mercifully, right, accommodates us. So if anything is practical or just seems kind of expedient, it shows God's mercy. And you can see that even in the death of the high priest and that you know, I, I, some commentaries that you look at, right, you're mentioning some of the explanations, and, and I think they're they're not off the mark. But, uh, for instance, if you if you just have the person who's exiled come back, you know, like a month later, right, are, are, <laughs> are tempers really going to have cooled <laughs> by then? You know, are they, are they really going to have a safe um, and extended homecoming, right? You know, so um, in some ways it's a practical thing like, okay, yeah, let, uh, you know, let, this uh, exile persists throughout the rest of this high priest's term. There's that practical dimension showing God's mercy. But as you're getting at, there's a spiritual dimension because I don't know, we could have picked any random person like, you know, until so-and-so dies, but it's the high priest in particular. And so God, as he's showing the mercy and as he's being practical for our sake and our limitations, um, he's showing us something bigger about himself and there's that spiritual dimension you know that that yes it's it's the high priest who has to atone for the blood that no one else can and 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 just i mean what what does that just tell you you know that there hey there's something if there's anything wrong about what's going on here in the old testament we find that there's something missing still it must mean that we need a greater high priest right exactly yep yeah it just it just sets you up beautifully for for hebrews Yes, exactly. Of course, you know, as we will see, you know, talk about in, in other places in Scripture, too, you know, the, the, even though uh, the, the, the Levitical priests obviously point ahead to, to Christ, you know, Christ is, is a new kind of priest in the sense that, that he, he offers himself as a sacrifice, and also he doesn't come from the tribe of Levi. He comes from the tribe of Judah, so, so, so yeah. unique uh, yeah. in its fulfillment. Yeah, no, that, that that's that's a good point. That's a good point, and I feel like that's something that I mean, isn't isn't God just showing us something, right? That hey, that this is a different kind of priest, right? I mean, on the one hand, he's he's kind of the, like the best that Aaron and Levi could have hoped to have offered, but on the other hand, he is in some ways rescuing us from that whole priesthood. So I mean, there is that that, that tension, fulfillment, and also something different. Um, so yeah, 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 that's that's well done. All right, well. Um, don't want to go too much on that. Just a little bit from yesterday that we're kind of picking up the threads, right? Seeing the continuity here. That's good. Reading it in context, but let's go ahead and actually get some of this read. And so let's just take a look just at the first three verses, just to set the stage. So Joshua chapter 21 here in the English standard version. 
Then the heads of the fathers' houses of the Levites came to Eleazar the priest and to Joshua the son of Nun and to the heads of the fathers' houses of the tribes of the people of Israel. And they said to them at Shiloh in the land of Canaan, The Lord commanded through Moses that we be given cities to dwell in along with their pasture lands for our livestock. So by command of the Lord, the people of Israel gave to the Levites the following cities and pasture lands out of their inheritance. All right, so... Uh, I, I've said it a few times. I I always get really intrigued by the narrative portions here, and so here is our uh, pretty much our, our narrative uh, paragraph <laughs> of the chapter. The, the rest is going to be kind of drawing a map, really. But so yeah, the situation here it, it, I find it to be very interesting. Uh, Eliezer is listed first here. We haven't heard that much about Eliezer right um, throughout the book of Joshua. But, but now he's, he's popping up here a couple times at the end um, be, because we're not just talking about, you know, the battlefield. And uh, besides, besides that, it's not just these two leaders, right, but all of these um, heads of the father's houses, right, like all of these different elders. It's a, it's a big powwow here at Shiloh. And uh, so it's a, it's a very interesting setting here, this convocation. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, I, I find it interesting too that that uh, you know they, they make it very clear uh, the Levites, the Lord commanded through Moses. Uh, mm-hmm. so, so this is not just some human arrangement. You know, how we're going to have some order here? You know, we could do it this way or that right. way. It's very clear that the Lord Himself wants them to do it this way. So. Right. Exactly, and that's what we keep seeing throughout Joshua. Right. I mean, in, in Joshua chapter one. It was, you know, hey, Reuben, you swore to God through Moses, right, um, that you were going to go over this river and help us out. Um, and, you know, Reuben's like, hey, yes, and God was the one who said that you are the guy after Moses. And, you know, uh, through on that, we see, you know, later on in this middle section that we just finished, you know, it's, hey, Moses promised them this land and he had a particular blessing right, that we saw, and, uh, well, we didn't actually read this, but we talked about it a couple times now in Deuteronomy chapter 33. So, I mean, just it's kind of again and again and again, everything that's happening in Joshua is just what was foretold. It is just the unfolding of the plan that's been there all along. Yes. And, of course, as we will see uh, in the ending of Joshua 21, you know, um, it, it all ties in with, with God keeping His promises, but we'll get we'll be getting to that. <laughs> exactly, exactly, exactly. When when things are going according to plan, it just testifies to the faithfulness of God, right? I mean, it's just, and this is everything about this, right? Says something about God. If stuff's going according to plan, right, it's because God's faithful. If there's a surprise and a reversal, it's because God's merciful enough to intervene, right? So, just we, we see it on all these different levels. So let's go ahead then and see, okay, so what did the people of Israel give to the Levites, right? It's interesting that they are the, the actors, the subjects of that sentence, right? It's like God's commanded them and, and hey, look, they have a chance to, yeah, participate in the, the grace given to them, right? And they're going to, you know, have a moment to be faithful here. And yeah, we're giving, we're giving you guys these cities, just like God commanded us through Moses. And here are then the cities, picking it up at verse 4. The lot came out for the clans of the Kohathites. So those Levites who were descendants of Aaron, the priest, received by lot from the tribes of Judah, Simeon, and Benjamin, 13 cities. And the rest of the Kohathites received by lot from the clans of the tribe of Ephraim, from the tribe of Dan, and from the half-tribe of Manasseh, 10 cities. The Gershonites received by lot from the clans of the tribe of Issachar, from the tribe of Asher, from the tribe of Naphtali, and from the half-tribe of Manasseh and Bashan. 13 cities. The Merorites, according to their clans, received from the tribe of Reuben, the tribe of Gad, and the tribe of Zebulun, 12 cities. All right, just pausing there. Okay, we just, there's a whole bunch of names, but I think for me anyway, as I look at this, if you look at a map or you can kind of, if you maybe, you know, can kind of draw the map in your head as you listen to this, this description um, actually seems very methodical and just kind of actually very natural in the way things are broken down. 
Yes, very much. And, um, and uh, of course, it, it, it all uh, is structured around the, the, the three sons of Levi, uh, you know, Kohath, Gershon, and Merari. Yep. And then I, I find it interesting, too, in, in verse 4, there, 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 there's a special uh, uh, allotment to the, the Levites who were particular descendants of Aaron, uh, the priests. Because uh, uh, in verse 5, it talks about, well, uh, the other Kohath uh, descendants, um, which would have been through Moses, and others, you know, they get their inheritance too. But there was a special one uh, for the Levites descended from Aaron, who, who of course was the first and original uh, high priest of Israel. Right, right. Well, so and that's and that's um, it's important. Thank you for reminding us. Right? Okay, we're talking about Levites. Hang on, what is that again? Right? And, and we've talked about this before because sometimes it gets confusing because in our English translations we use the word Levite usually. Um, to mean someone who's a descendant of Levi, but who is not a priest, right? Like there are priests who, you know, offer the sacrifices um, and the, the incense in the temple, and or in this case, the tabernacle, right? But then there's the the Levites who uh, they guard the tabernacle, they they set it up, they tear it down. Um, I mean, the Kohathites in particular, right, are uh, have a very special task. They get to set up and tear down the the holy of holies, right? And, and the most so the most holy things in the tabernacle. Um, but right, there's so there's different kinds of um, different kinds of Levites here, and so right. So to your your point there, there's actually two different groups of Kohathites here, and exactly. so when we, when we say Levites, we're we're not exactly talking about the same thing here, right? Exactly. And I'm glad you pointed that out. You know, the, um, uh, the, I've often used this with my members. I'll say all the priests that served in the temple were Levites, but not all the Levites were priests that served in the right. temple. Like you said, uh, right. they, 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 there were special duties that were broken down here. But even here in verses 4 and 5, you, you have a distinction between the Kohathites that were descended from Aaron uh, versus the others. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, no. So there, there's these um, these extra distinctions. And, and, and so because of the distinctions, right, um, it's interesting that then Koh- uh, descendants of Kohath, they actually end up with significantly more cities, right? Because each of these groups is given, uh, you know, roughly a dozen cities, right? right. Um, but there, there's two groups of Kohathites here. Um, so they, they end up with significantly more, but um, when when you think about how it's broken down, I, I think that actually makes some good sense. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, it, well, especially when you see that uh, uh, the, the various duties that are assigned uh, to certain uh, groups of the Levites. But but uh, and then on top of that, the distinction that's made here uh, between the Kohathites, uh, it it you know uh, there's two two different. Uh, 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 special sets of them uh, with their own responsibilities. So uh, all this seems to make you know, sense as as these distinctions are made. Right. Well. Well. So. So right. So it is. Is it is among the sons of Aaron that you find the priests, right? And so the ones that are actually priests, as you were saying, who are yeah descendants of of Levi, but they're not Levites in kind of the the broad sense, right? So <clears throat> th- this is a special class apart, and they're the ones who are going to be serving uh, later on uh, in the temple. And so it's very interesting then, right, that this special Aaronic line of the Kohathites, right, because, uh, you know, as you were mentioning, Kohath, I mean, this refers to like um, like Aaron and Moses' um, grandpa, right? Um, so there, there's the thing, not all Kohathites are, I mean, Aaronites, you might say, right? Um, so, but so it's among this group. I know, just prolifer- proliferate the ites. We'll just put ites on everything. Um, so, it is among this group that you have the priests, right? And so, it does make a lot of sense if they're going to be serving in the temple one day. Look where God puts them in Judah, Simeon, and Benjamin—the three southern territories. That hang on a second. Where's uh, the temple going to be located? Right there in Benjamin in the city of Jerusalem. Even though, as we've been saying, they haven't even taken Jerusalem yet. It's called Jebus right now. It belongs to the Jebusites, right? It's not even there yet, but here's God. Like, he knows what's going to happen. He knows what the plan is. He knows what David is going to do later. Right, exactly. 
So he's he's getting all this uh, ordered with the the uh, idea that he, he you know obviously we know as the narrative continues in in Joshua and the rest of the books you know uh, time and time again God's people are unfaithful uh, and mess things up but God is always faithful to His promises and and of course one of them is 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 the 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 the, the promise to to have a place for His people. Uh, in in Jerusalem, and then ultimately, not not just the tabernacle, but finally the temple. Uh, you know that right. that uh, uh, points ahead to Christ. Right, Ex- exactly. So yeah, so already, right? Just we've seen this a couple times now, where where Joshua is. I mean, it's not there yet, but it, it's hinting ahead um, to the the special place that it's going to be in the ter- territory of Benjamin, Jerusalem, the site of the temple. So it, you see that there. Um, the rest of the Kohathites, then, um, they're in, so Dan, half-tribe of Manasseh, and uh, Ephraim, which which is also just, you know, p- pointing this out, This is these are kind of forming conti- roughly contiguous um, geographical swaths here, right? So, like, they're right. kind of like chunks of land that are not, like, scattered all over the place. So, I mean, Judah we remember is in the south benjamin's immediately north of judah right right on top of it like the cherry on top of the sunday um and then simeon's kind of mixed in there in judah just like the chocolate syrup on the sunday right uh, doesn't doesn't have its own territory i don't know why i guess i want ice cream right now so i came to mind um and so you, know, you have that all going on in the south and then when you come up north a little bit right among the rest of the Kohathites, well, what Dan, he's, um, well, he's Dan was supposed to be, and, you know, we, we talked about that a little bit, um, that it's not going to be that way for very long, um, but uh, is on the coast, right, um, bordering on Ephraim, and then, of course, on the other side of the river, you get the half-tribe East Manasseh, right, not not right. St. Louis, but East St. Louis. So you got to get the next level up, that central belt, right, and then, let's see, who do we have then next here? Uh, then the Gershonites and the Merorites. And if you look at them, they're also like chunks that, that actually kind of make sense. And I think this is, again, one of those things where it's a practical matter that shows how God's being merciful. And it connects to something that we've talked about a couple times in Genesis. But um, we got I to gotta, I gotta pause right there because we got to go into our break. But hang on, everybody. We're looking at Joshua chapter 21 here on Nice Strong Word, and we'll be right back. Have you ever wondered if your investments could do more? I mean, a whole lot more. This is Rahema Kavuga, Synod Relations Manager of Lutheran Church Extension Fund. When you invest with us, you not only earn a competitive interest rate, but your investment goes to strengthen Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, church workers, congregations, schools, and organizations through low-cost loans and services. To learn more, visit lcef.org backslash invest101. Far north of the Alps, in the Jura Mountains, a boy and his grandfather are trapped in their chalet. A fierce snowstorm has cut off all paths of rescue, and that's just the beginning. Grandfather, move! Get behind me! When doubt, danger, and death surround you, will your faith survive, or will it be buried in the snow? Based on a true story, on the next Lampire Theater. Saturday mornings at 11 on Worldwide KFUO. Welcome back, everybody, to Thy Strong Word. I'm Pastor A.J. Espinosa. We're looking at Joshua chapter 21. We're looking at the breakdown of these cities that were given out from the inheritance of the 12 tribes, the 12 uh, land-inheriting tribes, and were given to the Levites. And we're talking about how, when you look at this, I mean, these details, there's these patterns that are popping up at us. Uh, pointing ahead to Christ, who is on the one hand the fulfillment, and on the one hand just something different because he's something better. We're joined today by Pastor Thomas Eckstein, pastor of Concordia Lutheran Church in Jamestown, North Dakota. I would like to invite our live listeners. If you have a question for me or for Pastor Eckstein, give us a call 
1-800-730-2727. Or if you're in St. Louis, 314-821-0850. Or you can always send an email to kfuo at kfuo.org. Had a really good email question yesterday. Um, I don't know if we <laughs> were able to do it justice because it was a little involved. But yes, it's okay. If you have a question, you're like, I don't know, this might be a little bit off the beaten path or something like that. Well, you know what? We'll, we'll talk about it a little bit at least. Try to, try to get us going on the right on the right track there. And also, I want to make sure to thank our underwriters at the Lutheran Heritage Foundation. Their website is lhfmissions.org. So, yes, we were just talking about how these groups of, of Levites, um, they actually seem to be subdivided um, according to, you know, roughly speaking, in numbers, what we would have referred to just as the priests, the, the Kohathite Levites, the, Kohath, uh, the Gershonite Levites, and the Merarite Levites, like the, who had just different functions, right? Um, and we can, I think we're going to talk about their functions in just a, a minute here. But um, as we see that there's these different subgroupings, they seem to have inherited cities that are nearby each other, kind of in uh, kind of these like kind of logical groupings. They're not just kind of evenly dispersed. Um, and that seems to continue on actually with the Gershonites and the Merarites too, right? Exactly, exactly. And, and um, so, you know, uh, it, it's interesting how you, you, you move from the earlier verses to just, uh, uh, you know, land giving to the, the various tribes. But now, now we get down to, to very particular, specific cities. And, uh, um, and then, as we'll see in a bit, too, they, they will uh, go out of their way to mention how some of these cities are uh, also cities of refuge, uh, you right. know, connecting to uh, uh, the previous chapter as well. Right. Yes, yes. And well, and it is interesting, too. I was thinking about that. You know, it's not like this is totally new, though, right? Because we did see along the way that the borders, well, they were they were kind of soft. They were kind of maybe even fuzzy at times, right? Like we saw that, especially with like Ephraim and Manasseh, right? There was all that description about the Brook of Canaan and how, well, so actually, hang on guys. Okay, right. So that was in the territory of Ephraim, but actually there were cities of Manasseh over there. And then actually there were some cities of Ephraim over on the other side. Um, And we saw the same thing too, right? Where uh, Manasseh had these extra cities there among Asher and there among Issachar, right? So there, there were these kind of moments actually kind of uh, throughout where things were right. not like super uh, tight. But I, I think that there's a point to that too, that you keep seeing this. And it's like this reminder, right? Kind of like how in Leviticus, how there's that talk about the Jubilee. It's like just because you kind of own this, right? And you think it's your property, you got to remember it's really ultimately God's, you know, it's not yours absolutely. And like, man, you cross this line and, you know, it's like, I'm king of the hill over here. Right. And I, I'm going to defend my land. Like, no, it's like, if, if God says, Hey, you know what? Like Manasseh's got tons of people and we need to kind of give him some extra cities over there in Issachar and uh, Asher, then that's what we're going to do. I mean, it is interesting how the borders are not absolute. They are not entitled to like these absolute, you know, states' rights or individual rights, right? I mean, there's right. a broader, there's a broader principle at work. Yes, exactly. And I, I liked your point about how the fact that that even though obviously certain, uh, you know, uh, uh, groups of people are given certain areas of land and cities, you know, w- one thing that's clear through the scriptures is that the, the land is ultimately God's. You know, yep. it, it all belongs to him. And uh, and we see this especially when, uh, you know, later, you know, uh, in Israel's history, when they're unfaithful, they can also lose the land. It's like right. it's almost like God says, I, I give it to you. I can take it away. <laughs> and, uh, no, that's, uh, abs- that's absolutely right. And, and, and you see that very soon, actually, in Joshua chapter 23, um, when he's giving that final charge right before his death. I mean, he's, he's going to say that, right? He's like, and guys, if you, if you go and worship other gods, you are going to find yourselves kicked out of the land very quickly. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, yeah, just a reminder. And, you know, it, it's it's a good reminder to us, too. You know, it's interesting because I'm, right. I'm doing a sermon series on stewardship now. And, oh, and perfect. you know, one of the things <laughs> I've, I've, I've pointed out is that, you know, uh, we're— 
we're, we're simply managers, not owners. Everything we have, right. everything is, is is belongs to God, and 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 we need to view it that way. That, that's exactly right, and this is something that I mean. I mean, really, yeah. You should you should include Joshua in your stewardship series if you haven't already. I mean, like, I mean, what a, what a picture of it. It's like God says, "Hey, this is what I want you to take care of," right? And He gives them stuff, right? That I mean, people even argue if they ever were able to take um, control of certain parts of the inheritance, right? And then conversely, as we've been saying, and other parts that they did have control of, they were asked to give um, to others, right? And so all of this just shows this, just as you were saying, we are we are caretakers, we are managers, we are stewards, right? It belongs to God. And so we really can't get <clears throat> so entitled or insistent, right? And this goes goes back to one of our favorite chapters in the Bible, right? First Corinthians 13, right? Like insisting on our own ways, insisting on our own rights, right? Like right. we should not be insisting on our own rights. And that's, I mean, that's what you have in, in Matthew and the Sermon on the Mount, right? Like, oh, hey, someone violates your property rights, like let them violate your property rights more, right? I mean, someone violates your freedom, like go ahead and walk an extra mile, right? I mean, it's it's this idea like we, yes, you know, we, we do live in a country that's blessed um, by our Lord um, to to enjoy these sorts of rights, but they're a blessing to be a blessing to others, not to be insisted upon callously. Right. Well, I think you, your whole, whole point about love, and then even in, I believe it's First Corinthians six, where where, where the Corinthians were, were were suing each other. You know, and, and Paul's whole point right. is, it, w- it would be better to be wronged than to, to, than to, to let this entitlement right. attitude divide the body of Christ. You exactly. know, and then, you know, I, I, and as a pastor over the years, I, I, it kind of grieves one. I, I've seen situations where families were completely divided over inheritance issues. Oh, gosh. You know? yeah, no, no. Uh, you know, and, and it's like you, you want to say, hey, wait a minute, let, let's remember that this is all God's. And, and uh, you know, do we really want to let stuff, um, uh, you know, land and other things uh, divide your love as a family? And it's just something we need to be constantly reminded of that, that you know, uh, uh, what's really important is, is God and uh, the, 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 the love and, and unity he's given us in Christ. And we should never let anything, uh, you know, uh, put a wedge between uh, us and, and what God intended uh, to be a blessing to us. Yeah, well said. And, and as my, uh, my most blessed mother says, it's just stuff. That's what she says for those kinds of situations. It's just stuff. Uh, but right, yeah, yeah. So, you know, whether it's, you know, rights or freedoms or, you know, hey, this is, you know, my house or, hey, this is my family or it's my kid, right? I mean, it's, you know, the, the kind of insistence on our rights and autonomy. It's like we, we got to really keep that in check as American Christians. So, um, yeah, very, very good point, very applicable to our situation. Uh, so anyway, back to the text, though. So as we go on, um, you know, you look at the Gershonites, and so they they receive from Issachar, Asher, and Naphtali. Um, makes good sense there, right? Um, Asher and Naphtali are the northern reaches of the tribes of Israel, right? Um, and then Issachar is um, there just south of Naphtali, right? Um, I, I guess there's probably a little chunk of a Zebulun in between, I would argue, but that's uh, neither here nor there. <clears throat> and then in the last bit here, the Marites, right, they get uh, some uh, cities from Reuben and Gad. And we remember those are on the other side of the river, right? East side of the river, East St. Louis. Um, so o- over over there, but then also Zebulun. Um, and I'm not you know, I, I'll, I'll confess, I'm not entirely sure about, you know, how much sense it may or may not make to have that from Zebulon. It may have just been the leftovers. But you do see, in any case, right, that <clears throat> there is this this logical, uh, practical grouping, right? And I think this is just, this shows so much of God's mercy because what was the curse of Jacob on his sons, his second eldest and third eldest, Simeon and Levi, right? You will be scattered in Israel. That was, that was the, I mean, it was the curse that he said as he uttered blessings on his 12 sons. And it, yes, it's true, right? I mean, Levi doesn't get a proper inheritance and in some ways, Simeon doesn't either. They just inherit cities. They don't have 
borders. When you go and read right. what we've read so far, they don't have borders. They just have cities here and there, right? So in one sense, the, the curse just comes true. But look at God's mercy, right? It's not like Simeon's spread out all over the place and they lose all sense of identity. No, they're, they, they kind of have these little enclaves in Judah, um, and in fact, because they are, they actually survive a lot of the craziness that happens in the book of Isaiah that we were talking about with like, you know, Babylon and Assyria and uh, Persia oh, and all the rest. And and same ditto for for Levi here, like his his uh, sons, right, the, Ger- the Gershonites, the Merorites, etc. They're actually grouped together, right? They're actually going to be nearby each other. They're going to have cities and pasture lands. Um, and because some of them are going to be in the south, like they're not going to be totally wiped out. Out. So, I mean, like, even as you have this curse, look at the mercy that God is extending to the sons of Simeon and Levi. Yes. Yeah, and it's just, uh, again, showing that that even though, and I, like, w- when you look at the at the end of Genesis and, and uh, you know, the uh, the prophecies uh, of her, for the 12 sons of Israel, you know, we're, we're all sinners. We, we, we actually, none of us deserve nothing from God. Mm-hmm. And, and, and yet he gives us good things. And even when he uh, chastises us, uh, you know, you, you mentioned the curses, e- even those are meant to be ultimately for our good. You know, so, right. so all, all this comes from from God's uh, hand of mercy, right? Yeah. No. And whenever God, and we've seen this theme too in Joshua, right? Um, you know how Joshua goes and he uh, curses uh, the Gibeonites, right? Oh, you deceived us, right? Well, and and they don't get wiped out consequently, right? I mean, it just shows how great is God's mercy that when He curses and punishes, He's still being merciful, o- only. Only, only the most merciful and most holy God uh, can well, curse think of that, the application like that. In our own lives, you yeah. know, sometimes obviously God allows us to suffer the consequences of our sins right. to, right. to to teach us and curb. But when I often think about it, you know, uh, God really doesn't uh, allow us to suffer the full consequences of no, everything never. We've, we, we've done. He's actually very merciful, yeah. uh, even in even in this life. Uh, you know. Uh, you know, uh, giving us uh, times of, of relief and, and peace when, when really, if we had gotten the full consequences of some of our actions, uh, life would be a whole lot more difficult. Uh, cer- certainly, right. No, he, he's, he is never, um, he, he never goes like, you know, just, uh, you know, all the way, you know, turn, crank it up to 11, right, on the punishment that he could give us. Because, um, I mean, I mean, if, I mean, I mean, it's really, well, I won't even speculate, but he, yeah, he's certainly just merciful um, all the time. And it, it is kind of to, to your point, like you were just saying, though, right? It, it's so interesting, right? As he shows this mercy, look what he has done. He has gone and he has put the priests down in the south around the temple. He has put right. the Kohathites who carry the most holy things um, right near them immediately north. He has put the Merorites and the Gershonites who, um, you know, they load up the wagons and they, they carry all the big heavy things, the, the, um, the pillars and all the rest, right, of the tabernacle. He has put them um, in other places. And, and so what has he done? Uh, he has essentially recreated the court of the tabernacle in the entirety of the tribes of Israel, the whole land that he has given them. The whole land is a picture of of the tabernacle. Just, I mean, think about the mercy of God here, right? And what this is telling us that this, this land is not like, oh, well, you know, God plays favorites and he was like, I'm gonna kick these guys out. I'm going to put these guys in. Right. But I mean, what he was doing here is, is, this is so indicative of what we were uh, reading back in, I think chapter 18 with, you know, God's presence, you know, appearing there at the tabernacle at Shiloh, God's work of creation and redemption. He is creating for himself, a holy place, a tabernacle, a temple, the whole shape of creation, and even the shape of all the stuff we've read in Joshua of conquest is to create a holy dwelling of God among humanity. Exactly. And of course, the ultimate fulfillment of all this, you know, we, we find out that, you know, when we look at the, 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 the second coming of Christ, we read about this in the New Testament, especially Revelation. I mean, ultimately, uh, the whole creation becomes Mount Zion. You know, uh, mm-hmm. the, all, all the earth is, is finally absorbed into the kingdom of, of our Lord. Uh, and, 
and uh, and and so the new creation itself becomes uh, uh, the dwelling place of God, uh, His temple. So we we look exactly. forward to how, how this land, that this promise of God, His dwelling place, just uh, begins to expand and finally exactly uh, heal, heals all of creation. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, it, it for it does point ahead to Christ. It points ahead to the incarnation, as you're saying that the, this temple idea just keeps expanding, expanding, expanding. First, it's you know, first it's just the tabernacle, then it's the whole like holy land, right? And then what? Um, it goes out to humanity itself in the incarnation of our Lord Jesus, right? I mean, so it's just um, it's a beautiful picture, and yeah, look at all the grace and mercy we found in just the first. Uh, seven verses here of Joshua 21. It's amazing. Um, and speaking of just the first seven verses, uh, <laughs> we have a lot. <laughs> we have a lot of verses to read, and not very much time to do so. Okay, <clears throat> we we could say much more, but we shall not. <laughs> let's let's pick it up here at verse eight. Right, verse eight. Yes. Okay. So let's go ahead and uh, I'm just going to read like kind of the next big. I'm going to take a pretty big chunk here. So from verse 8 here, Joshua 21. These cities and their pasture lands, the people of Israel gave by lot to the Levites as the Lord had commanded through Moses. Out of the tribe of the people of Judah and the tribe of the people of Simeon, they gave the following cities mentioned by name, which went to the descendants of Aaron, one of the clans of the Kohathites, who belonged to the people of Levi, since the lot fell to them first. And they gave them Kiriath Arba, Arba being the father of Anak, that is Hebron, in the hill country of Judah, along with the pasture lands around it. But the fields of the city and its villages had been given to Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, as his possession. And to the descendants of Aaron, the priest, they gave Hebron, the city of refuge for the manslayer, with its pasture lands, Libna with its pasture lands, Jatir with its pasture lands, Eshtemoa with its pasturelands, Holon with its pasturelands, Debir with its pasturelands, Ain with its pasturelands, Jatah with its pasturelands, Beth Shemesh with its pasturelands, nine cities out of these two tribes. Then out of the tribe of Benjamin, Gibeon with its pasturelands, Geba with its pasturelands, Anathoth with its pasturelands, and Almon with its pasturelands, four cities. The cities of the descendants of Aaron the priests were in all 13 cities with their pasturelands. As to the rest of the Kohathites belonging to the Kohathite clans of the Levites, the cities were allotted to them. The cities allotted to them were out of the tribe of Ephraim. To them were given Shechem, the city of refuge for the manslayer, with its pasturelands in the hill country of Ephraim, Gazer with its pasturelands, Kibzaim with its pasturelands, Beth Horon with its pasturelands, four cities. And out of the tribe of Dan, Altiki with its pastulins, Gibbethon with its pastulins, Ijalon with its pastulins, Gathramon with its pastulins, four cities. And out of the tribe, the half tribe of Manasseh, Tanakh with its pastulins, and Gathramon with its pastulins, two cities. The cities of the clans of the rest of the Kohathites were ten in all with their pastulins. All right, so pausing there mostly so I can get a sip of water here. Uh, yeah, you got a lot of <laughs> you got a lot of city names. Um, this is very helpful actually when you're trying to do reconstruction, reconstructive work, and try to figure out. Hang on a second, like which cities were where? Uh, kind of biblical archaeology stuff, right? Because um, actually, it's naming a bunch of cities that we didn't have named earlier. So it's it's kind of interesting just in that respect. But you are seeing how. Um, they are spread out, I and mean, it's a pretty uh, even distribution, which shows you that um, no matter wh- like where you were in, Ju- in in Judah or I mean Israel in the north, right? No matter where you were, there was a city of Levites somewhere nearby, right? There there was uh, an expert authority, right, in the law of Moses in the scriptures. I mean, I mean, no one was very far away. It was not like you had to go like on pilgrimage to Jerusalem if you wanted to talk to a pastor, right? I mean, they were, they were all over the place. And, and so, I mean, th- this is significant in the way that it, I, I think it, it anticipates um, our own manifestation of the office of the ministry. Um, also along the way too, though, uh, you know, just, I, I think it's even just the, the little details, like, you know, talking about uh, where Aaron, the descendants of Aaron, the priests, or it spells it out and calls them the priests, um, you know, where they inherited, even Caleb, right, who went off on that, you know, crusade, that, you know, 85-year-old man, right, who's like, I'm going to take these guys out. After he goes, right, and defeats the Anakites, and he wins himself this special prize, he is not reluctant 
to to give a part of this like prize here right um to right. to the the priests right i mean he's leading by example and saying yeah t- take from this special thing right it's not mine right. even though i'm like the war hero that everybody is like you no know, praising right i mean just so amazing another little moment um with, with caleb along the way but anyways yeah just uh, briefly here your, your thoughts on what we've just read about the the kohathite inheritance in more detail well, I just I loved your point that that they're scattered over the place, so that you know, you know wherever someone lives, there's not a, 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 a there's a Levite close by. This 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 uh, the, the, those who are called to, to minister to God's people, and I think of even our in the New Testament, you know, uh, in the pastoral epistles, you know, make sure you raise up an elder in every town, right? You know, right. Make sure every group of people has has a shepherd for themselves, and I I, I think of all the small towns in North Dakota scattered across <laughs> North Dakota. You go to these small towns, they have three things. Usually they have an elevator for the farmers. They have a bar and then, and then, and then a church, you know, usually no matter how. I mean, and what more do you need? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, right. (laughs) But, but, but yes, right. I mean, I think it it does anticipate this and it, and it points to, right. How, I mean, the the pastoral office, right. Really is one of shepherding. I I thank you for bringing that word up. Right. Um, And it's one that we, I mean, we'll um, we'll be taking a look at on Monday, right? When we're looking at uh, Psalm twenty-three, the idea of shepherding, right? Um, that you know, it, it's it's not enough that there's just going to be I don't know what, like you know, just like a, a like a handful, a dozen of personalities in our country that we're going to just tune into on TV on Sunday, right? And we're going to get the message because it's just about this idea. And these are the really most polished speakers, right? I mean, it's about people who can exist in relationships with the people they're shepherding, right? And that means um, geographic proximity. You have to be close. You got to be there. You actually got to show up and be part of it. Kind of hard to do this sort of work um, at a great distance. Yes, and and it's it's just showing that the uh, you know our God is is unlike Islam where where Allah is sort of this distant deity, you know uh, our God comes in tabernacles among us and uh, and serves us uh, through the through the offices that he he's established for that purpose. Uh, our God is a God of a relationship. He he wants that that connection with us. That's right. That's right. And of course, it's I, I know it's it's a little bit ironic to be saying such things like over the airwaves of KFUO and streaming all over the world on the Internet. <laughs> but I mean, to put to put us in context, right? I mean, like what we're doing, I mean, this is this is a good supplementary thing to do between um, Christians that, you know, it's it's a good blessed thing to be constantly in the scriptures throughout the week, not just on Sundays, but Monday through Saturday as well. Um, but it's no replacement, right, for Christian right. community, right? And so I understand, of course, you know, everyone does that there are circumstances. We got we got missionaries who are out in Africa right now who may be listening. Right. We have we have some people I know who are out in Germany listening. There's people who can't make it to church because of different uh, situations, right? And so uh, to right. to say nothing pejorative of the the people who have these vocations, such circumstances according to God's will, right? But it, it's not a substitute. It's not like we should be saying, like, I don't need a church because, you know, I got the rate. Well, exactly. I mean, like, that's that's not uh, what, how we should be thinking about it. But Well, I think okay. of my own shut I have about 30 shut-ins that I visit. Yes. And, and obviously right. they can't get to church, and they can listen on the radio. That, that, yes. that, that I, Some of them have. But they always just cherish it when I actually come there face to face and give them the Lord's Supper and, and exactly. spend some time with them. You know, they, they, they want to need that connection. It, yeah. Exactly. And that's one thing you can't do over the radio or the internet is the Lord's Supper. Um, though, well, I'm, I'm not even going to pursue that. I'm going to read now the rest of the chapter, actually. <laughs> I don't think there will be any time to talk about it. Right. Um Okay, so that we may just have to kind of just say goodbye at the end of it, but I'm going to read it here. Um, may, maybe there's a brief moment to kind of, uh, we have like three minutes here, so maybe, maybe we have a brief comment at the end here. But resuming it here at verse 20, what was it, 27. We just finished up the Kohathites, right? Okay, so on to the Gershonites, verse 27. And to the Gershonites, one of the clans of the Levites, were given out of the half-tribe of Manasseh, Golan, and Bashan, with its pastulans, the city of refuge for the manslayer, and... Beshtera with its pastulans, two cities. And out of the tribe of Issachar, 
Kishion with its pastulans, Dabarath with its pastulans, Jarmuth with its pastulans, and Ganim with its pastulans, four cities. And out of the tribe of Asher, Mishal with its pastulans, Abdon with its pastulans, Helkath with its pastulans, and Rehob with its pastulans, four cities. And out of the tribe of Naphtali, Kadesh and Galilee with its pastulans, the city of refuge for the manslayer, Hamoth Dor with its pastulans, and Kartan with its pastulans, three cities. The cities of the several clans of the Gershonites were in all 13 cities with their pastulans. And to the rest of the Levites, the Merarite clans, were given out of the tribe of Zebulun, Jochnium with its pastulans, Karta with its pastulans, Dimna with its pastulans, Nahalal with its pastulans, four cities. And out of the tribe of Reuben, Bezer with its pastulans, Jahaz with its pastulans, Kedemoth with its pastulans, and Mephaath with its pastulans, four cities. And out of the tribe of Gad, Ramoth and Gilead with its pastulans, the city of refuge for the manslayer, Mahanaim with its pastulans, Heshbon with its pastulans, Jazer with its pastulans, four cities in all. As for the cities of the several Merorite clans, that is the remainder of this clans, the Levites, those allotted to them were in all 12 cities. The cities of the Levites in the midst of the possession of the people of Israel were in all 48 cities with their pastulans. These cities each had its pastulans around it, so it was with all these cities. Thus the Lord gave to Israel all the land that he swore to their fathers, and they took possession of it, and they settled there. And the Lord gave them rest on every side, just as he had sworn to their fathers. Not one of their enemies had withstood them, for the Lord had given all their enemies into their hands. Not one word of all the good promises the Lord had made to the house of Israel had failed. All came to pass. And that is a beautiful way to end the chapter. It's going to set us up very nicely, especially when we're looking at Joshua chapter 23. You're counting the faithfulness of God. And, and brother, that was the, the theme that you were really helping us to focus on. In all of this, we see God's plan unfolding, and God is faithful at every turn. And hey, look, he even mercifully got us through the end of the chapter, even though we're all out of time. Yeah, so <laughs> thank you so much, brother. Thanks for coming on. Yeah. Till next time. Everybody, that was Pastor Thomas Eckstein, pastor of Concordia Lutheran Church in Jamestown, North Dakota. Till next time, everybody, I'm Pastor A.J. Espinosa. Peace. You've been listening to Thy Strong Word, produced by the Lutheran Church, Missouri Senate Office of National Mission in cooperation with Worldwide KFUO, the official broadcast ministry of the LCMS. Your support is vital for this program to continue. You can make a gift safe, secure, and easily online at kfuo.org. Thank you for listening and supporting Thy Strong Word.